Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. I like how he covers. The, I like how he covers the mic, just in case no one can hear. He's like, "What episode?" <laughs> All right, before we get started, episode seventy-four. Don't know which camera I'm looking at. I think it's that one. I'm gonna look good. Yeah. Episode seventy-four. We have a special guest. As well, I mean, we always have special guests. Um, Are we live? Are we recording? You need, yeah, we're doing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, we're supposed to be surprised. We're supposed to be surprised. Um, subscribe. Follow and like, uh, do the thing, hit the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We need those likes. Uh, it's important to us. And if you keep listening and don't subscribe, you're just a peasant. So <laughs> without further ado, we have my friend Brian on here. Uh, he's kind of in a similar space with like investments and real estate and stuff like that. We'll get into that. He's getting ready to move out of the country, yep. which I didn't know about until recently. So that's even more exciting. Yeah, I want to get into that. Um, but I'm just excited to have you on here, and I'm excited that we got you in here bef before you left. Yeah, yeah. It would have been harder to do it, right? but I would have came to you, but it would have taken a little bit more I'd work. I love it, man. You might not come back, so I don't know. <laughs> so where where are you moving? Bormio, the mountains of northern Italy. So um, people always say, Bormio, what's that, right? So the closest major city is uh, Milan. It's about three hours outside of Milan, and if you picture Italy like a boot, it's at the very top. It's 20 minutes from the border of uh, Switzerland. Damn mm. Up we in the should, mountains. We should get the very mountainous. The map jacket. Very mountainous. The map yeah, jacket back right? out. Yeah. I have this <laughs> this jacket we broke out on the last episode because like the guy had been around the world. Right. And on the episode, I'm like on my knees and they're referencing the jacket. <laughs> I didn't know we were gonna do it again. You got a visual, <laughs> visual going People on. are like, right? I have no idea where Italy is on the map. Right. You can have <laughs> easy travel to France, Switzerland, and what, right? Germany? Yeah, yeah. So we were there um this past summer for three months all summer. And uh we went everywhere, man. I mean, I didn't realize actually it was so close. You we, went twenty twenty one or twenty twenty summer yeah. to Italy. Yeah, it was to the hot summer. zone. Yeah, so it, you weren't allowed to go there as a tourist. Funny story. So uh, everybody's telling me not to go, right? Because I'm an American citizen, but my wife is an Amer an Italian citizen, obviously, mm -hmm. and my two sons have their Italian citizenship. So I said, "All right, well, what's the workaround?" And I said, "All right, well, I can go to Switzerland." Mm -hmm. And then we had this whole elaborate plan where they were going to put me in a duffel bag and smuggle me over the border. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And uh, like a week before, I finally heard back from the consulate and the embassy and everything. And turns out there's a loophole where your immediate nuclear family, meaning hers, mm -hmm. I was allowed in. Okay. So okay. it's like, I didn't have to go in the duffel bag. You know? <laughs> but I was You're still going. Yeah, I was going either way. Yeah. Dude, in the military, they the bag that's like big enough for you, yeah. they call it dead hooker bag. Dude, so it was it was like a shoe bag I bought years ago, just like going back and forth, and my wife mainly all the shoes, and I got quite a few myself, but uh, I was like, I wonder if I could fit in that bag. She said, get the hell out of here. So I went up in the attic, I got it, I climbed in, I'm like, it'll work. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't just a plan. No, I was like on the kitchen floor in the bag. Ready to <laughs> yeah, you'll do anything for your kids, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> would, you, would you get in a bag? Me, I need a big fucking bag, dude. <laughs> and a lot of people to carry me through. <laughs> Just like going through customs, like yeah. dragging. That, that's yeah. going to be extra. Yo, that's Leroy in there. <laughs> so you're you're going to where your wife's from? Like that her family is actually located at? Yeah, yeah. They're, so they're all still there. They've come to visit over the years. But um, when she first came here and we met in 2005, so 16 years ago, um, obviously, you don't know when you meet somebody what's going to happen. But as we, you know, stayed together and then eventually got married and had children and everything, she she did only came here on a student visa, right? So mm. she only came here to stay a couple years and go home. Mm. Well, obviously, we ended up staying together and this, that, and the other. So um, the goal was always to move there 
but I didn't want to do it until my older sons. I for my first marriage, I have triplets. I have three eighteen year old boys. All right, and damn. Grew, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and then two with her. So five boys. But um, they were uh, you know, they are graduating in June, right? And so the plan is, you know, we wanted to wait, and now we're doing it, man. So Dude, God crazy. made sure that your name was gonna progress yeah, through history carry of time, on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like five yeah. fucking boys, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. They're taking the hockey team to Italy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> So when you got there during COVID, was it weird or was it pretty normal? You know, it was, um, so Italy was hit the hardest, mm. right? I mean, a lot of people remember seeing there first, like, you know, um, with all the deaths and this and that. There's a lot of reasons for that. We can get into that. I later. heard it was the garlic. It was totally the garlic, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, I actually should have saved them. But no, it's like <laughs> they have, um, it's, a, it's a much older population. Like if you look at the demographics, yeah. it's, it's an older population. And, of course, they started putting everybody on ventilators, which was the worst thing you could do, and a lot of people died, right? So it made all the headline news. Anyway, when I went there, when we went there in the summer, we went in June, and uh, it it was starting to open up a little bit. So it, like, really wasn't that bad. Like, before then, it was, like, locked in your house, quarantine, right? But it opened up, so it actually wasn't that bad. Um, You had to wear a mask, like, outside, like, even walking, like, down the street. They were pretty strict about that. Of course, I never wore one, you know, and the cops came up and I just pretended I couldn't speak Italian, which I can fluently, but I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not hungry. <laughs> oh, I was like, you're such an asshole. <laughs> I was like, what are they going to do? Lock me up? <laughs> oh, give me a ticket? I'll just throw it the fuck yeah, away. Like, I'm not paying it. You know Were they mean? letting people out of jails over there? The same way. No, I didn't hear about that, man. No, they they don't they don't play that game over there. No, no <laughs> America, no, they no. just open the gates. Right. right. I right. remember. I knew. I go free. I have a friend from high school, um, more of an acquaintance now, um, Gianna, who is an Italian citizen right. now. She works for some organization that allows her to travel abroad, but she lives in Italy and, yep. and is Italian now. Yeah, loves yeah. it, eats it. Yeah. Um, and she made this Instagram post once where it was like very grim picture of her walking down the streets and it was like just like how bad like America needs to humble itself. Like Italy's getting rocked right now. It's coming for you next. And I remember yeah. reading this being like, oh, I kind of like respect her opinion. Right, right. And like, oh man, this is wild. like John. We gotta like. I'm probably showed yeah. it to you. Yeah, probably. And she's a good writer, so like even had that you know that smoke yeah. behind it. Yep. And now sometimes when I'm driving my car, I contemplate being like, I really wish I could just hit her up and be like, yeah. Where was the like the right. the, the real like? Because she was calling for like world ending death. Yeah. And I'm like, didn't happen. But we all listened to you and got scared. Right. And like. Now what? Yeah. So there was a lot of that coming from Italy. There so was. Like it's, it's good to hear, like, you you went there in the middle. Of, she's talking about the whole world's ending, and you're no, like, yeah, I'm going to go. You know what it is? It's like they locked down pretty hard, and then they opened it up. And like I said, there were some pretty decent restrictions. And I mean, as, as stupid as the stuff they're doing here, like, you know, it, they just kept adding these layers. Like, okay, well, now if you're in the car with anybody other than your immediate family, you all have to wear a mask. Like, Okay. And like, just they just kept adding all these rules. But can we sh- still share the peanuts? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, pass the bread. You know, pass <laughs> the bread. <laughs> um, but it was just it, look, man. I, I think that at the end of the day, for the most part, people are all the same. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is like, people over there. By the time I got there, people were the same thing. We're like, fuck, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, here? people are just people. They're tired right. of like, they, like nobody wants to be restricted, right? Which is kind of odd when if you follow any of the news with canada right now uh, canada doesn't really make any of its own 
well, one vaccine, but a lot of pharmaceuticals in general. Right. So, like, Canada has a huge vaccine shortage just simply because nobody feels Canada's important enough to get it. Okay, right. <laughs> and then, like, right. so all the time people are like, Donald Trump's getting elected. We're going to run to Canada. Yeah. And it's like everybody in Canada is right now, like, we're locked down. Like, you can't even leave your house. Yeah, I heard it's bad. It's pretty pretty bad. And the government, like, people there are probably thinking to themselves, like, well, I don't know if we should have given them this much power. So it's just, you know, it's no, cool man. to hear from someone that's actually been actually abroad during. Yeah, that. it was, uh, it, it, it was, it wasn't bad at all, man. I got to say, it was actually pretty cool. It was very refreshing because again. You could so walk around and see things that you probably could. That and there's two, there's two different ways to look at the news. So one of the first things that I realized years ago when I started traveling there, you know, after we got together uh, more and more, of course, was that like the American news would portray a picture of everything, but let's just talk about Italy. But then I started watching the Italian news, and I started realizing, wait a minute, this, they're not the same story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I started realizing more and more, and as I became more fluent, you know, at first it was like more conversational. I could get by. Then, of course, after all these years, I speak it fluently. But when I really started being able to just sit down and watch the news and then think, wait a minute, I just saw this over here, whether it's Fox or whatever, kind of like Andy Frisella. I like to yeah. kind of watch everything and kind of yeah. get the idea. And... uh it was just interesting, man. Like, but the thing that the thing is, everybody has their own agenda, you know. Like, and and the agenda now, I'm starting to see where they're starting to come together. If that makes sense, yeah. So, like, the American, the mainstream media here, for the most part, and who knows, dude? They're probably owned by the same people, at the very top, right? Yeah. In Italy and in or all at least Europe. they're eating together. Yeah, literally. And so, you know, it's one of those things. But um, I don't know, man. I think I think more and more certain people are starting to wake up globally mm. to what's really going on. You know, yeah, I, I hope so. I we we used to get hard into Corona on here, and like we we still kind of get into. We got more off of like we're upset about it to yep. more to be like these are the facts. Yep, um, and kind of took our like passion out behind it. Yeah, so it's always cool to hear different different people's perspectives that have like traveled yeah. or, or medical. We're trying to find some more medical people that'll agree to like hang out with me. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> There's so many points of view and perspective, and like John likes to talk about that, like off the podcast, like when you're when you're frustrated or you have conflict with other people, like you have to like, it. Well, you don't have to, but it's very powerful if you have the ability to kind of yep. take a step back and be, what do you gain from this, or mm-hmm. what does the other person gain from this? Where are they coming from? How, what was their past history that makes them feel this way? Right. Because if you can, you know, connect to what other people are doing and right. realize why they're doing it, yeah. it makes you know, a lot of things easier yep. for you and more effective for totally, you. So man, totally. Before before we talk about business, uh-huh. is it gravy or <laughs> sauce? Dude, I've always said sauce. I guess it depends where you come from and, and you know, obviously so the Italian word for it is sugo, right? Mm-hmm. Which just really just translates to sauce. Sugo sauce. Right? Yeah. So gravy's just a gravy's more of an American thing. Yeah, Jersey. You know? Yeah, like it literally. Right, right. I mean gravy on your turkey right turkey gravy or whatever um but yeah it's 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 true italians never had that debate okay it's the italian americans who want to fight over that yeah because i would kick myself later if i didn't let that catch question yeah yeah no no it's it's, it's (laughs) a lot that's like you're the most authentic person we've had on here it's amazing (laughs) when you think italy if people name about three things right pizza you'd have food right italian food yep True. Some somehow they're most known for food. Right. Mm. Little like villas on cliffs. Yep. Right. Which I picture where he's moving is that. No, probably he's not. not. No, it's the mountains, dude. I know. It's the yeah. It's the so he's got little 
his house has grass on it. And right, right, right. It's like evergreen trees and kind of like the Hobbit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what else people associate Italy with, but that was it too. Mafia, mafia, mafia I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sopranos. Exactly. Well, that's like American <laughs> Italians. Right. 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 Well, I guess it started somewhere, but yeah, yeah. I think it had something to do with like the French invading Italy all the time, and they started up forming up like militia families, and then those militia families just got a little too much power, and yeah. things stabilized with France, and then Italy started to grow strong, and they were like, "Ah, we're gonna run things too." Yeah. 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 So, what are you gonna do when you go there? Same thing. Mafia. Yeah. No, all my business is remote, so yeah. I mean, it's really no different where I'm at. I mean, it's it's not a problem. Yo, take us take us through. Like, what is your bread and butter activity like currently? So that's hard to say. I I I I talk about this a lot. I have seven streams of income, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not like one big thing, but at any given time, there's something I'm putting the majority of my focus into. And right now, it's the expansion of the crypto. The things I'm doing in the crypto world. Oh no shit! Yeah. Okay, we got All a right. dude. I didn't know we had a fellow. We got a fellow crypto. We got a crypto yeah, boy go. over here, dude. Yeah. yeah. All right, give me a shotgun. All right, give, give me a shotgun on. All right. It takes a while, dude. That's awesome. I'm pumped. Now, now I'm even more fired. Yeah. <laughs> but before then, and for the last twenty some years, it's been different facets of real estate, which I still have different things going on with that, you know, mm. investing, developing, all that stuff. So I guess take us through, like, what you started on in real estate. Like, where did you start at? Yeah, so that actually started when I was, uh, I guess I was 21, 22. In the real estate industry, I guess you could say, I started doing commercial lease auditing. So um, a friend of the family offered me a job. I didn't know what to do. I was going to do at the time. I was a young kid, and I just said, sure, yeah, and he kind of got me into the world of commercial real estate and auditing leases and Reviewing things and then going out to the property and measuring sh- things. It was it was kind of your like lease says thirteen seventy four yeah. square feet. You actually have thirteen eighty one. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Man. You're gonna pay the seven dollars. <laughs> you know, what? it was more about like common areas and yeah, auditing yeah. that. And it was kind of like monotonous, but I liked it because I was you able, learned a lot. I was on the road a lot, right? And I got to just physically visit a lot of places. Um, and I did that for a few years, and then I got into uh, mortgage banking. I was basically a loan officer. So, again, in the real estate world, not people say real estate, they think agent, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I did that for a while. And then it was uh, after my divorce, I was looking for another stream of income to kind of, like, survive, right? Yeah. You know, being a single dad with three little boys who were three at the time. And, uh, yeah, I uh, got my real estate license. Now, that was in 2007, which was right before the crash. Okay. Yeah, so not I was thrown into the world of short sales, right? Mm. I mean, and then nobody knew what they were. I didn't know what they were. I mean, you know, maybe they talked about it in real estate school, but I didn't pay attention. Um, and so I started doing short sales as an agent, and I did that for two years. But during those two years, I started working with a lot of investors who were flipping the houses. Okay. And I realized that I was on the wrong side of the table, so to speak, because like being the agent, okay, I list a house, it's 300 grand, I make 3%, it's 9 grand. All transactional. Totally, dude. Broker takes a third, I got six grand Mm. but i did all the work and the investor guy or girl would flip it same day that's like when you could still do that like you know i take it buy sell buy sell like literally abbc they would call it and they make 60 grand as an example like 10 times what i would make i'm like fuck am i doing wrong like i'm i gotta learn how to be that guy you know what i mean so i started investing you connected that like immediately quick yeah, yeah, quick. Like I, but again, I, I had no experience. I had no contacts. I had nothing. So I started investing, and that was in two thousand eight, nine. I guess you could say, 
And that's when your short sales start going crazy. So that's all I did. So what did you, like, what kind, how much capital did you start with? Nothing. In the short sale, so zero. My parents were bringing me groceries mm. because I was still paying for the home, the cars, you know, basically for my ex-wife and for that lifestyle. And I had to create a whole new one. So yeah. when I had to get another house, a townhouse I, I bought, I had to furnish it, right? And like, so all these expenses, and I just, you know, I was going backwards like every month. So I had nothing, you know? Mm. Learned a loophole from some guys in Florida that, especially with a short sale, you don't need any money because you don't need to put down a deposit, what's called an EMD, earnest money deposit, because it's not a binding contract because it requires third-party approval, which is the bank. Uh So I was like, hmm, interesting, so I don't have to put down any money. And then I would flip it, you know, so I would use borrowed money to flip it. So basically, like, back then what was real popular was what's called transactional funding, dough for a day. If If nobody got that, you can rewind and write that down. <laughs> was that too much? No, no, I oh, got okay. it. Okay. Yeah. But I feel we we have that's why we have the podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. is cuz we have conversations like this and right. not everybody is always a part of it. We're not always a part right. of it. So we, you know, so, it's always good to have Yeah, just to point. back that up a little bit. So what happened there were and I maybe there are today. I think there are few and far between, but there were um lenders basically, private lenders mostly who would lend money and they would say, "Okay, Brian, you're buying this house at this price, but I would have to prove to them that I can sell it at this price. Okay. So they would see the spread on paper and they would basically just lend you the money knowing they're within 24 hours they're getting their money back. Yeah. And they would charge like 2%. So if I borrowed 150 grand, it would cost three. Then you flip it and make 30, 40, 50, and it's like, it's not a big deal. You know? So that's kind of, and I did that for years, man. Like I I really, really did that. And then... um, That market dried up. Well, before it dried up, it did, totally. And what's interesting is we created, meaning me and my partner, who's an attorney, a way how to wholesale the house. So when the banks, first of all, when these lenders started disappearing that I just talked about, and then the title companies started saying, hey, wait a minute, you can't buy and sell on the same day. You need to wait 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. We found Why out, is that? So that they can hold the money and get the interest? They, you, know, you know what it is, man? They just didn't want investors making the money on the flip. I really believe that's all it was. I mean, there's no other logical reason because we're getting rid of a house, an asset, it's not performing. People aren't paying. And in most cases, they haven't paid in months or years. Mm. Getting oh. it off their books, doing them a service because now they don't have to foreclose and go through that cost and headache. Yeah, John, why do you think they would do that? No, no, I don't think it was the title companies. I think it was the banks. The, well, yeah, the title companies. The title companies wouldn't care. The, the flips, like the ABBC, like they didn't, because we were using trusts back then. Okay. Which started getting frowned upon, right? But you're right. It's the banks. It was right? the banks. They started in the short sale approval they st- letters. They started issuing like these restrictions on the resale because yeah, they they saw themselves getting taken advantage of. Exactly. Where, right? Um, How dare you make money? And once they <laughs> once they started holding it, then then it would people would, I guess, figure out how to pay or yeah. they would go into a normal like route of foreclosure, and then they would get their value, if not more, during like the tax, you know, during the foreclosure sale or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. No, you're actually right. And, and so I don't what, know if that's right. You are right. And, and what happened was it just, I'll never forget, it was actually Bank of America, which back then was called Countrywide. And it slowly started rolling out to every bank, every servicer out yeah. there, right? Now it's Wells Fargo, now it's GM, right? So it was all of them. And I was literally at a crossroads because I, I was basically bankrupt, literally. My house got foreclosed after my wife moved out. She took the money I was sending her and just pocketed it, didn't pay the mortgage. Of course, I'm not getting calls or letters. I don't live there anymore, right? <laughs> um, both the cars, repossessed, the CL, the, the Mercedes, the, the new H2 I had back then. So anyway, um, I was in a bad spot 
but I finally felt like, okay, I, I got down to like nothing, lost everything. And I rebuilt myself and it wasn't even two years later. And all of a sudden this restriction right there was about to put me out of business because I couldn't, you know, remember the only money I had was that dough for a day. It was 24 hour money. That doesn't work with a 30 day restriction. Yeah. And nobody back then would lend you the money. Certainly yeah. not a bank. Oh, uh, damn. So I came up with a way with a good friend of mine who's an attorney, how to what we call wholesale the contract. So for people who aren't aware, basically I have a piece of paper here that the bank signed off on. I can buy the house for this price. Let's say 150 grand. They give you X number of time. Correct. Yep. So what I would now do is find a buyer for a little bit more. Not being greedy. 160, 170, right? So I would make 10, 20 grand just for stepping out of the way. So basically getting paid to not do the deal. It became so popular in investor circles and everything that people started approaching oh, me like, dude, I got to learn this speech special method. And at first I'm like, I, so funny story. So backing up to 2008, um, I never did a deal before as an investor. I was only an agent for a year and a half. But I had met these guys in Florida and Tampa and, uh, and I got this idea to do a blog. Never, I didn't know anything about YouTube. It's 2008, right? And I, and I got what was called a flip cam. Remember those? Yeah. With a little USB plug-in? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I said, I'm, I'm going to do a 120-day journey, a blog, uh, you know, basically, and I, and I got a domain, kenbryanmakeit.com. Can I become a successful investor in 120 days? And I never did a deal. I have no money. I have no contacts. Let's see what happens. So <laughs> after 120 days, I had thousands of people following me, right? Like watching my videos, and I had this like Google feed burner opt-in crazy, right? And what platform was this on? YouTube. YouTube. Okay. It was all YouTube, and, uh, and this is two thousand eight and nine. Eight nine, yeah. Okay, cool. And then I got, you know, I met a web guy, and he built me a page, and all this. So, long story short, when when we created this method, I already had a following, and everybody was like hitting me up about these documents, and, and of course, my attorney friend made them, but I was like, should we charge them? He's like, I don't know. And my one friend said, well, why don't you just make a course? I'm like, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, just teach people what you do. And I, you know, back then, all these guru courses, right? So we made one and we launched it um, in 2011, I believe it was, called Flip Free Profits. And it, it did very well, man. It became like the number one selling So course it was like in a, full, a fully produced. Full course. Every, every, yeah, it was the videos, every document, everything you need. And how did you, how did you like price that out? So initially, we actually screwed that up. I should have charged a lot more. Um, we s were selling it for 97 bucks, right? Oh, sure. We didn't know any better. But I got all the other affiliates, gurus in the space to promote it. And the way that works is, well, you mail your list and give me, you know, 50%. You keep 50. Great. Dude, we sold thousands, like thousands of copies of that. So it was like the number one selling course. Some could argue that like your low price could <clears throat> be a long-term benefit. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. good to get it out there. But again, I mean, considering the average deal was eight to 10 grand, we really underpriced it. Okay. But what sure. that led into was, again. What would you have priced it at? At least fourteen ninety seven, oh, sure. you know, fifteen hundred okay. bucks. Yeah. Looking back, so significant premium. But when we did a two point we did that right. We had okay. different price points, but we learned. But um, that launched me into that whole world of of the whole, like they say, the real estate guru. Meaning, I, I launched a coaching and mentoring program. I, I coached hundreds of people around the country, teaching them method one on one, group coaching, all that. From so, from like ground zero of your business. Then. Yeah, yeah. Well, once once because at that point I already had a hundred deals in my pipeline, and now it was now I was flipping five ten houses a month. Okay. So I already had the, the street cred, so to speak. So I wasn't just, I didn't just come up with an idea to sell people shit. Like, right. no, I'm never, like, I'm an investor too. Yeah. I'm fucking doing this every day. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, you, I, you actually had experience. And I had a video blog proven. Yeah. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and started from <laughs> scratch. You know what I mean? Like I had the proof. Yeah. I, uh, 
I heard somebody say, I think it, it might have been Andy Frizzella or like one of those, the guys in that circle right. on Arte. They, they said, you got to watch out for coaches. Yep. Because if somebody is saying they are making all of their information from coaching, right. they're lying to you. Yeah. Because real coaches know they can make more money doing it than yeah. they can telling you how to do it. Making all their income. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and you're 100% right. And that was one of the things that I found out is that most of the people, not all, of course, but that were gurus, you know, I hate that word, but meaning they had an information course, they were doing coaching, they were on the speaking circuit like I was, they hadn't done deals in years. Like, sure, maybe back in the day. They, yeah, they were like college professors now. Well, yeah. Like, in a way. Like looking back, teaching things that, yeah, I guess maybe some of the shit works. But, like, you're not in the trenches. But I was still in the trenches. You know what I'm saying? And the trenches change quickly totally, in real estate. Totally different. Right? So then you can, you can adapt your speaking platform and that. Yeah. Almost, like, depending upon how cyclical your business is, if, thing, if things are changing rapidly, you could almost create, like, a new program. So we did that. We yeah. did a 2.0 okay. because things had changed. And my part, my business partner, who was an attorney, very influential as far as like working with Congress and the FHFA, he was actually credited with writing some of the laws that are on the books today, like helping to literally write the legislation, which helped, of course, with our 2.0. But, and then after that, man, we ran that a couple of years. And then, um, like you said, they started going away because the market started correcting, you know, equity started coming back. People weren't as far, you know, underwater, meaning, you know, they owed more than what it was worth. And uh, we just said, yeah, that's it. We're done. So I, we shut that course down, shut down the coaching. I think that was in like 2014, maybe 15. I can't remember. And then I started doing local things. So that's when I started like speaking locally, speaking to all the RIAs. I, went, I didn't even have anything to sell. I just wanted to do something, you know. Mm. And then I started to open up training academies, like schools. So we had two offices in Jersey and two in PA, one in Philly, one out in, you know, Bucks County. Uh, where we would hold like weekend workshops, weekday workshops at night to teach people how to flip houses, of course, charge ticket prices and all that other stuff. So sure. that was a business model that we ran for well, a while. Do you have any idea like the financial impact you've had on some of those people? Like, do you know any of those people still where like they, you know, they went out and started their own flip business and had. Oh, yeah, real yeah, success? yeah, totally. And, and I'm still friends with a lot of them today. You know what I mean? And again, because it was a very specific niche with short sales. Mm. You know, I always told people, and, and it's a fact, that short sales will never go away because, I mean, the reason people stop paying their mortgage are certain things that just won't stop. Like, they get sick, they get divorced, they lose their job, and that shit's never going to stop. Now, yeah, unfortunate circumstances unfortunate, is just right, what it is. Right, right, the, the hardship, like they call it. Mm. But at the end of the day, there's just not a whole lot of them now. Um, so people went into other areas, right? Some, some of my former students started doing, like, wholesaling or, or got into fix and flips, like the rehabs, right? Mm. Or... um airbnb model right so they've all kind of evolved in their own way you know right. and i mean i've coached over 400 people so of course i don't keep in touch with all of them but there's a couple dozen that I've, we became good friends and you know kind of stay in touch to this day that's that's gotta you know be rewarding because like we we have employees and part like different you know people that like we impact right but if you can teach someone how to make that level of income yeah that like that's got to feel pretty good. It did, man, and it does. And 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 what even felt better than that was working in the short sale was helping those families. See, and I wouldn't know that if I didn't lose my own house in foreclosure. And so I always would tell people like, you know, in the beginning it was me sitting across that coffee table or at the kitchen table, you know, and they'd break down in tears. Well, I've been there. I've been staring at the ceiling wondering, you know, what, what like what am I going to do, you know? Yeah. As so the, that you 
you're actually experience and like humanization of the totally. problem yep. allowed you to really like help and yeah. sell ultimately. Yeah, and my, my house did foreclose. Yeah. Nobody stepped in to try and help me with a short sale. I didn't even know what it was back then. Right. right. So at the end of the day, knowing that I have this solution and I can get paid for it, and it's not hurting them in any way. It's helping them because now they don't have a foreclosure on the record. It's just, you know, the missed payments until the, the sale took place. Mm. It was a good benefit for a lot of people. What I don't understand is if you had a $500,000 mortgage and you short sold it for, let's say, three fifty because the economy was terrible, mm-hmm. they have to pay taxes on the one fifty. I never understood why the government would tax that. So that's only really enforced, um, I think it's a 1099C, if I'm not mistaken, but that's only with investment properties. Okay. Um, there was a loophole that if it was your primary residence where you live, you could you get found, through that. Yeah, yeah. You just have to fill out some forms, but yeah, okay. you have to prove that to the IRS that you're, you know, insolvent. Which obviously, which obviously, because you're, you're not paying your, your mortgage, shit, you're losing your house. Like, well, pretty easy to prove. I, I would think short sales will be on the rebound in a year or two. You know what, man? It's yeah. There's no way that this pace can continue. No, because I, I agree. I'm starting to see buyers, not necessarily our customers, but other other buyers that we have, I'm starting to see them stretch. Yeah. And I'm starting to see, I'm starting to hear that they can't, that they're trying to put everything that they can into the mortgage because they don't have the cash. Right. When you start to hear that stuff, it's like, look, like they're stretching to get into this home. Yep. They don't have the cash to pay for extras. It's going to be a thing. It's coming. It's going to come with a fury. Yeah. There's and no doubt it's coming. Yeah. I guess the debate with a lot of people I still speak to that are pretty heavy into it is at what level, right? How, Look at it like how, this. What's, what's how big is how bad? Up right. the income chain. I think it's going to come on the higher level this time rather than the lower level. Because you know what? what's, the, your, the, what's your rationale behind that? The, the million and a half dollar homes and above are up something like 150% of what they were a couple of years ago. So you're saying excess appreciation market correction causes people to be upside down on their large mortgages correct because then know, they're going to start to 1.5 people to start losing jobs. i don't think it's going to happen in the lower income because i think those a lot of those jobs are still there and a lot of but i think that the 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 good times for the more wealthy i think will start to or the decline. less liquid the less liquid yeah okay that's a good way to put it um, that's my that's just my kind of like here well, i mean we'll be able to come back to it It'll be interesting to see what happens. Because a lot tapes. of people that are buying homes now that are five hundred thousand three years ago were three hundred fifty thousand, right. right? So anyone that hadn't bought a home in the last five years, they're fine because they didn't experience they didn't experience the price appreciation of having to buy now. And all the people buying now are buying stuff that I think it's a lot of the stuff is fully overinflated, but it's overinflated because it costs more to build, it costs more to do when this. I, like when I field the phone calls and I'm speaking to people that are in that eight, that six to $900,000 range, a lot of the advice, like a lot of these people, like with all respect to them, when you get into the conversation with them, I don't even think can afford houses in those price ranges. They're put, when they're talking to me on the phone, they're already pushing what they're capable of. And, and like, I do advise them and such like, Hey, like you are buying a home. Like you, like, I don't say, Hey, you sound financially strapped, right. but I'm like, Hey, is it worth stretching? Or do you need to stretch into a newer home right now? Do you just want a new construction home or do you just want to move for some re- Like, what is the reason behind your move? Because right. if it's not big enough, like you just want a nice new house. Yeah. Wait, yeah. because you're gonna, you're really going to take that like potentially yeah. on the chin. Maybe. Well, you know, but it's they're printing money too. very quickly right now, so it's going to be interested over the next, you know. It's, dude, it's, I, I talked to some, like, my ex-business partner, we spoke a few weeks ago, and um, 
something bad's coming. You know, it, it doesn't take a crystal ball. When I look back, you know, I, I haven't been around, but, you know, 100 years, but I was here for the last crash, meaning in the industry full time. It's identical. Houses were flying off the market. There was no inventory. There were bidding wars. You know, like, you, you see these patterns. Yeah. The difference now is the moratoriums. Banks can't foreclose. So they're not foreclosing, but there are millions of people. Do you not think if that mor- that right. moratorium was what was that? We heard a percentage on what it was. Somebody told us it was, was like a six month delay of like seventy percent or something like that. It was a, it's a massive amount of people. A, it was at all levels, though. Even those lower income, that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. You're right. I think you're right about the higher end. The moratorium do, now is what until September. They just extended it again. Yeah, it was. It was supposed to be May. I think. So you, right? you got people but who have socialism. They're kicking the can down the road, dude. Eventually, it's going to. But then stop. you look at the bank's profits, and the banks are making a killing. So it's like, who the fuck's losing money on this, and what the hell's going on? Interesting. Who's yeah. getting hurt on this, dude? Because the banks just all came out with their revenues, and yeah. they're they're fucking all killing it. So that the the coaching thing was your second stream of income. Yeah, no, I mean, well, I backing up in 2001, I started uh, 20 years ago. I formed, I created an IT staffing company, basically like a headhunting com- type company, okay. which I still have today. So at that time, it was real estate. Well, it was the staffing company. It was the real estate agent business, which was a business in and of itself. The real estate investing company, which was another entity. The affiliate marketing company to market not only my product, but others as well, and then the coaching and mentoring. So at that time, I had five five streams of income. And how old were you? Um, well, 2008. 30s. You figured that was, what, 13 years ago? I'm 46, 33? Okay. Yeah. yeah. 33. Damn. Yeah. So it was a good run, man. Do you think because you hit rock bottom financially that that helped propel you and be more motivated and more clear because you had to make money? Yeah. Yeah, but I also don't come from anything. You know, so yeah. I'm a very blue collar kind of guy. I was born and raised in Trenton, New Jersey. You know. Oh, I'm from Trenton. Are you really? Yeah. Okay, oh, sorry dang. to hear that, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's from Trenton. He's not in Trenton. <laughs> I'm from Trenton too. So what you mean? I, just, yeah, I love you. Um, yeah, it was different. It, it was obviously you know different many years ago. Chambersburg, the Little Italy section, which I guess doesn't right. really exist anymore, no, but really. um. But no, I, I only say that because I, I know what it's like to struggle from a young boy. I mean, my dad has always been a very hard worker, but he was a blue-collar guy. You know, he worked on the turnpike, you know, fixing the roads. Um, and now he's, you know, gets married and has a baby. He's 22 years old or 21 years old. So he had me pretty young. My mom was 19. And so my dad wanted to better himself and started going to night school, like Thomas Edison College, and going to night classes and all. And eventually he started, like, you know, wearing a shirt and tie to work, you know, going in the office. He's not on the road anymore. Uh, got his engineering degree and got two degrees actually so worked his way up but all through that you know my mom was babysitting kids and cleaning houses and you know we remember all these kids coming over i was a little i didn't know she was a babysitter you know I mean, just these kids just, just like hey, who are these guys yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah we're just right. popular yeah <laughs> or my dad you know being in the car and dropping her off to go clean some house you know like go clean somebody's toilet you know what i mean nothing wrong with that but my point being is like i remember you know going to cat we went to catholic school growing up and i remember like vividly like hearing like them argue and fight about you know it's time to get school uniforms and there's just no money to do it you know what mm-hmm. i mean so it was a grind it was it was so you know my whole goal in life was even as a young child saying i don't want to struggle like this like i don't know what i'm gonna do but I, how I, I old gotta, do you think you were when you like kind of just like i i gotta do i gotta think of something remembering that 11 12 okay. that young sixth seventh grade 
remember it like yesterday. You know? So what was your first job then? Um, my first job, like my first, first job. income source. Yeah, like first, like what paper was boy, paper boy, paper boy, nine years old. Um, not legally because you had to be twelve, I think. But my uncle worked for the Trentonian and mm-hmm. and got me like on like yeah, you know, got me this little route and whatever. He hooked me up. Probably said it was in his name or something. But anyway, yeah. So I was a paper boy, nine years old, and um, I remember going out in the morning and it was dark and rolling up the papers, the rubber band to put them in the bag when it's raining and loading them up over my shoulder and. Being afraid to walk around the neighborhood because it was dark. And you're nine. nine. I'm nine. And you're nine. I'm nine. In Trenton. You know, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, not, you're not mowing your own lawn. Like, you're, yeah, saying, yeah, right. you're out walking around. So, that was my first job, man. And um, yeah. and that was before school. It was, boy, yeah, dude. Your first thing. Just so everybody realized what we're talking about here. He's not doing it on Sundays. Like, this is like. Yeah, I don't even know if they do that anymore. And I have to go around the paper boy and collect the money and put it in my bag and give no. me the change. And, you know, and of course, I don't, blow it all in cigarettes. I walk but, around the neighborhood a lot. I think I see two houses out of 200 homes that have a paper on the driveway. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a it's gone. Good thing. But that's how I got started, man. And then I got in the restaurant industry. My my grandmother, my mom's mom, worked in a restaurant in Chambersburg. And I started bussing tables at 13, uh, cleaning tables. And then I stayed in that industry until I was like 30. You know, busboy, waiter, bartender. I've owned two restaurants. So, you know, kind of worked my way up in that world, too. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting, man. So what, crypto, yeah, that's I literally was like let's just let's just let's just get right. to let's it. Just jump right in. What what are what are your holdings? Like, are you Bitcoin, Ethereum? So, this is extremely new for me. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I'm brand new. So I'll, I'll tell you the funny story. I got back from Italy in September, and I was at a business meeting, um, real estate, and one of the guys I was with, he's like, "So what are you doing in crypto?" I'm like, "Nothing, man. Like I I don't even know what to do." You know what I mean? Like, like, what do you mean you don't know what to do? I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I do. Buy Bitcoin? I don't, how to, I don't even know where the fuck to buy it from. You know what I mean? He's like, look, I'm going to help you out. Here's what you do. You download an app called Coinbase. Create an account. When you get your money, you get funded, you know, we're approved and verified and all that shit. He goes, I want you to buy three coins. I want you to get Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Fair enough. How much do I get? He goes, ah, just get a grand each, whatever. Just kind of dip your toe in. I was, all right, fine. So I bought... Those three coins, thousand each, not a lot of money, but at the time, um, Bitcoin was ten thousand, Ethereum was like two eighty, and Litecoin was like thirty some forty bucks, whatever. Mm. Two weeks later, it had a dip, right, which I didn't know was common. I lost like thirty percent. I'm like, fuck this, and I sold it all. <laughs> 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 Everyone. So you want more advice from me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no. So uh, funny thing is. I did the math with a friend of mine uh, a couple weeks ago, and he's like, you know you'd have, like, almost 60 grand today. I'm like, shut the fuck up, man. I was, you know what I mean? Like, I get it, you know? But um, so that was kind of my only experience with that. And then it was just a couple, maybe three months ago, a guy I knew from another business I was involved in, um, I was scrolling through Facebook, and, and, he, and he was doing this live, talking about the biggest thing of his life. And I'm like, D-, and his name is Crypto Craig. That's his, like, nickname. I'm, oh, like, yeah. I'm like, all right, what's he doing? You previously know? known as Creepy Craig. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From Creepy yeah, yeah, yeah. Crypto Craig founder. So, yeah, he's perfect up, dude, to the moon. So, dude, so funny thing is, so I called him, and he's like, I am, man, I'm launching this thing. I'm working with some pretty connected people. I'm like, well, I don't know anything. Can I get involved? I mean, I got some money. Like, well, what do I have to do? Ah, call me next week. I'm like, All right. <laughs> like, okay. So, um. Crypto Craig. <laughs> blew, blew, call me next week. Blew me off. With the full moon. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm like, all right. And uh, long story short, so. That same week, ironically, and it's weird how things happen, somebody suggested that I watch a documentary on YouTube called Banking on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And I never heard of it. I figured that sounds good. 
And I really thought it was cool. We yeah. kind of get into the history of everything. Yeah. And so watching that, you guys have seen that, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I do get on the phone with Craig, Crypto Craig, he's like, yeah, I'm working on this project. And I'm working, you know, it's kind of backed by the Winklevoss twins. And, I'm, and a good friend of mine, his name is Charlie Shrimp. Motherfucker, I just saw in the the guy went to jail. He goes, yeah, that's my boy. (laughs) Him, Michael Kimmelman, all those guys. I'm like, you know those guys? He goes, that's my boy. What are you talking about? No. He goes, we're working on some projects, dude. I was like, I'm in. (laughs) I was was like, whatever you're doing, count me in. He goes, you don't even know what the fuck we're doing. I'm like, I don't care. I was like, like, he's like, and I started doing research on the Shrem guy, you know, and the whole thing. And the New York State's Attorney General basically crucified him for no reason, made an example out of him. Then the motherfucker goes into private consulting to basically protect people for what he put him in jail for. Mm-hmm. I was like, man. Anyway, um, so they're Crusader. working on Crusader. Dude, really interesting story and all. So um, what they're doing, long story short, obviously they're very much big on Bitcoin, you know, but that's just like everybody. Is yeah, the Winklevoss is like pumped that stuff Yeah, so up. they got some arrangement and with these funds they're creating and they're doing something with Gemini. Of course, that's where the Winklevoss twins come in with the exchange. Um, but they use Binance US as well for here and then, you know, regular Binance for the global platform. But they're creating like these syndicates all around the country. And they're pulling money and they're creating, like, working on, like, which is still new to me. I guess, like, these up-and-coming altcoins, like, kind of, mm. like, in the stock world, like, what would be, like, an IPO, right? And then I guess in the stock world, it would be illegal insider trading, but it's not a security, so you fucking, you could do this shit. Yeah, it's currency. So, Cur- the, right. the, the thought process is that we, I guess the the easiest way for me to explain it is, like, we, you have dollars and then dollars were previously backed by gold. Right. So, the the thing that people are working on now is what the next dollar will be. Right. Bitcoin is not going to be the next dollar. Bitcoin is gold. Right. So like whatever the, like you can have, there's going to be subsectors of crypto that are going to be supported and backed by Bitcoin because like transactionally, it'll be easier to transfer those currencies than it would be to go through the transfer process of Bitcoin. Right. So like you wouldn't go back to your co- your your bank vault and grab all your gold and like take it to the grocery store. Right. And so it's like more of like like the ease of security protocols. So I know that like that's going to be the next jump yeah. is that whose currency is the thing. So these guys the have alt- it dialed of the alt who whose currency is backed well, by. Well see Bitcoin. that's what I'm most excited about. So to break it down there's three categories. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm few months into this, I'm just trying to kind of give a thousand foot overview. This isn't a coaching seminar. Right, right, right. So, so the first thing is working with an AI bot. So they have a relationship with a company called Endotech, which used to be an institutional software. It's like 125 grand. You needed a million liquid. Are we writing all this down? Right, right. (laughs) It's all recorded. So this, this software bot, you know, they're bringing it to to, to scale. They're bringing it to the masses so people can utilize artificial intelligence to earn you more Bitcoin or U.S. dollars. Of course, most people don't care to about the dollar. It. Right, exactly. So that's one component. The second component are these altcoins. Most of them are Ethereum-based. And so these guys are connected with some of the top Ethereum coders in the world. And so they're literally bringing this community that they're creating. Hey, look, for example, I flew down to Florida three weeks ago. I met this kid. I say kid, you know, very successful guy. He's 23 years old, okay? And he hit on one of these coins. It was like, it's like a, I guess, my lack of understanding i look at it like a penny stock mm. motherfucker made 3.2 overnight million yeah there's we know a few of these people like like but we're, we're convinced but they're we're convinced nine out of ten of them are going to lose it because all although they could keep it there's right. nothing there's nothing wrong with how they got it right that 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 mentality of like just getting it without like the struggle you spoke about right i've gone through my struggles like like we share collective struggles here now right so 
we know as operators in the, in the world, yeah, everybody gets dealt those blows, and it's like what you can hold on to when you get dealt that, and that comes with experience. And unfortunately, Dude, it's like, like the, the lottery, lot of, right? Most yeah. lottery winners within they say within five years are broke. So I mean, or it's like, can you if you lose it all, right? Can you recreate that again, right? And like now at thirty three years old, right? We talk about that all the time. I'm like, well, we don't even we make decisions now. We're like, we don't even care because we know we could just re like just redo it. Yeah. Um. Whereas you know, twenty three year old me would have been like so under stress because yeah. like I had no idea. I thought. I was up against everything, right. and like that's what it was. There was no perspective back then. Yeah, man, and that's one thing I'm trying to teach my kids too. You know, like um, it's a wave. You gotta just like yeah, and it, and it it gets down to one thing that I've said for a long time, and this going back 18 years before I even had them when I found out I was gonna have triplets, right? And um, being concerned because at that time I started making money. I had the custom house and you know all the nice cars and everything, which it's like I made it. I was 28. Like, mm -hmm. I was the kid from Trenton who did what he said he was going to do. Tatted up or not, I, I, I fucking did it. You know what I mean? But what are my kids going to do? They're going to grow up in this nice house, in this nice neighborhood. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Fine things, nice vacations, things I never had. Yeah. Where's the struggle? Because if you don't struggle, you're never going to make it. Yeah. But, so where's the fine line? Like, what do you do? Like, do I make them struggle? And so I did the best I could to never give them anything. Oh, you want something? fucking work for it you know what i mean oh you're oh you're 17 you got your license now great you want to get a car great how much money do you got saved and i would help them say hey i'll help you contribute but what the fuck are you putting in you know what i'm saying yeah and trying to find that balance of wanting them to kind of you, you can't recreate nor to what i want the, them reap to. your benefits yeah exactly yeah you know and it's like that old story i told them a million times it's like you know the whole you know caterpillar in the cocoon right without that struggle and working to break out of that fucking thing the wings don't develop so how, if you, you know, how do you teach them that? But what's interesting is I didn't have to worry about that, right? Because this was before they were born thinking about this thing, like these things. And not knowing that when they were three, I would then go through a divorce. And lose everything. Lose everything. <laughs> and could be bankrupt. And they, and they were young, granted. But I'll tell you what, man. They still got to visually see kind of like what you saw as a kid. They did. And then as they were getting older, remember, like, you know, even in through seven, this when I got my license, and in eight and nine, they were born in 02. So, like, yeah, they were young, but I think they remember, and as they've gotten older and they're now young men, I've explained Yeah, but they were, like, them. six or seven. That's not that young. No, it's not. But you're you know, well you're, – you're aware of conflict and stress. And but I can't – I don't know about you, bro. I can't remember a whole lot when I was six. I can't. He, uh, he can't. He oh, remembers can't. everything. Really? Oh, I can't. I can't remember stuff when I was in, like, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I got really? nothing. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got moments, maybe 10, 20 moments. That's, that's where it. my memories I worry begin. about John sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we like we talked about his parents for like the third time ever the other day. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my mom true. comments on every single one of John's posts on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, it was good, man. But I'm excited about the crypto thing. Like I said, the one thing you know that I've always been a firm believer in is association, right? And putting yourself in the right circles with the right people and building up that network. And so, you know, working with Craig and, you know, directly slash indirectly with people like fucking Charlie Shrem, it's like, that's been pretty good company if I want to make a move into crypto. You know what I mean? Mm. So moving overseas, I'm able to continue to build and market this bot and, and work with these syndicates here and maybe develop something over there. I don't know how that's going to So you're work now 
in with like starting to find your role in yeah. that whole organization. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the one thing that I have is a very large network through all the speaking and all the public appearances. Yeah, because you have a face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I have so a pretty big bring, list. So if you come yeah. to the table, like you're kind of like, uh, well, it's you one of those, do bring something. Yeah, and I and I could you know there there's quite a few people thanks to you know my my history that I could just pick up the phone or you know say I got something they're gonna listen. You yeah, know what I mean. So. Yeah, especially if 400 people paid you to teach them how to make money. Yeah. Like, it, like yeah. if I paid you, you know, $97 and then $1,400 right. and then, you know, 20 years later I have a boat and, you yeah. know, my kids are okay and everything. I'm going to be, be like, pretty loyal I, to that I person. I kind of owe yeah. Brian something. Yeah. Yeah. If Brian yeah. calls me right now and, you know, he's got to get over the border, yeah. I'm going to pack the bag right. and stuff him in there and Put help him, him out. Bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But no, dude, so to, to get back to what you said earlier – um. And, and I am making money now. I, I do some investments. And so, you know, like right now, I, I have Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin. I got the three that I lost initially, right? Got mm. some, that Doge, I don't even know how to say it. Dogecoin, Doge, yeah, whatever. We're saying Dogecoin Okay, I got here. some of that. <laughs> Cardano, XRP. Um, you we know. didn't buy Doge because it's like it was made on a joke. Everyone said it was made on a joke. But the fucking things, what is it, like 50 cents now? 31 today, I think it was. Yeah, but it's well. interesting because my one of my sons, the 18-year-old, he, um, he bought it really cheap and Put a hundred bucks in there. He showed me today. He's got like fourteen hundred bucks. He's all proud of himself, and he should be. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but there's what I'm finding is the ones that are not that listed yet, the ones nobody knows about. I'm trying no. to I'm trying to figure out how to build a mining machine of an altcoin. So I I'm I'm going into two uh, two coins right now. There's Safe Moon, which just recently I've heard of that hit, and then there's Pi, which is created by I think uh, some kids in Stanford. Not kids, but students right, right. of Stanford. University. Did you did you hear anything about this, John? No, just hearing about it now. Just now, John. Just now. <laughs> We're Jeez, just Gilmar, about this now, glad John. you're in I'm first. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll send you guys the app. It, oh Jesus! <laughs> I expect that. What time is it? Five fifty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard? Seven p.m. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with um, Monero? Monero. Yo, write it down. <laughs> it's recorded. <laughs> it's recorded. So Monero and um and Pirate Coin. Um, oh, dude, Pirate Coin. Pirate Coin. Oh! Pirate yeah. Coin. That's it. What shirt do I have? Does anybody have any pirate logos on? Oh, you're, so you're uh, familiar no. with that? Our logo for our company, like we literally fly our logo as a pirate flag really? on our project. So Pirate Coin, we're in. So no I questions. started hearing about these because they're they're you know delisted non. They're off the grid basically. A guy had a funny story I was listening to, and um, I was watching some stuff. I don't really go on YouTube too much anymore just because there's, they ban a lot of content, right? So on BitChute, I found this guy. His name is the Do- – he goes by the Dollar Vigilante. You ever heard of this guy? No. Look him up. He's good. Um, but he does a lot in crypto too. Moved to Mexico to get away from everything, and he just gives all these tips. Anyway, a friend of his who's a doctor had a – basically he went on the dark web as, a, as an experiment, and he didn't buy like – Little boys or heroin. He he pretty much bought like pharmaceuticals. Right? We can have it. We can have an episode on how to get on the dark <laughs> yeah, web. Yeah, yeah. I'll take. I'll teach everybody how to get <laughs> on tour route, right? Yeah. But he um bought some antibiotics or whatever. Some pretty. Yeah, you can get like insulin. Like people yeah, use the like, dark web for good things. Right. Right. Yeah. No, but it was a test. Mm. Within four hours, he used he used Coinbase and bought it with Bitcoin. Within four hours, his account was shut down mm. with a VPN on the dark web. So in other words, because he had you, Coinbase. Because he was using Coinbase. Because he was using that and Bitcoin. Yeah. They're tracking everything. They're tracking Bitcoin now because it's all serial. People think, oh, I'm going to use Bitcoin. I'm off the grid. Motherfucker, they know exactly what Mm -hmm. you're doing. So Monero and this pirate one, they're off the grid. Yeah, well, that's that's why everybody, Bitcoin, 
really got the juice in the beginning because of the dark web. Right. It was a way for people to sell Silk drugs, road, right, transfer yeah. that, like the Silk Road. Oh. If anybody wants a great read, right. read all about the Silk Road. Okay. It's insane. The dude that's in jail that was like the leader of the and Silk Road. And they talked road. about him on that doc- banking on Bitcoin, oh too. My yeah, yeah. I forgot his name. God, that guy was insane. And then they basically, like, I've read a lot about the Silk Road uh-huh. and that whole situation. You can go read your thing, but... Spoiler alert, the feds set that dude up. Yeah. They made him basically, they, they got him into a text conversation where, like, he kind of agrees to kill his partner, but it's not really, like, if I, I was, re- I was like, dude, this is, like, the, the FBI is literally sending, this is entrapment if it yeah. wasn't, like, so they got him for all this stuff. Like, it just seemed like a very interesting thing. And then because of that, the U.S. government is the larger largest holder of Bitcoin like undisclosed amount yeah. because of the amount of crypto what they, they took from that guy. Really? The U.S. government right. has like hundreds of millions of dollars of crypto yeah. from him particularly. <laughs> yeah. And they said when they caught that guy, spoiler alert, they were like, he was super secure. It was like, they were never going to catch him. Right. You could be right in front of him and you still couldn't catch him. Yeah. And they basically had him meeting with somebody at a cafe. They staged a commotion behind him. He turned away from his laptop to look at the commotion. The feds fucking, the fed chick grabs his fucking laptop off the table and runs out of the place with the laptop still logged in. Hmm. Uh, If he had shut that laptop, like he would have been like, peace bitches. Yeah. So like they literally, like it was literally like they just got him. Wow, they they don't make a movie on that. And they also yeah. they made they 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 gave him like a plea deal, right? And he was like, "Fuck you guys, you set me up." Yeah. Like so, who who the who anybody that's looking at hundreds of years in jail, like the guy's never coming out, right? Gets a plea deal and still says no. Yeah, like that guy is one either crazy or hard yeah. as shit, <laughs> right. or two knows some like he's being kept in like a room. Like right. we're not letting you out until right. we need you. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. The man. crypto thing is insane. It's a whole dude. I, I I find it extremely exciting. Like real estate was cool. You know what I mean? It's the next like it's the next thing. It's the wild west, dude. Like dude. shit's changed. Like you said, things are changing so fast. So if you had advice, let's say two well, like, two tell, young guys. Tell Brian. Tell Brian. Episode thirty three. We had a, like a young crypto guy on. Yeah. Right. That ninety percent of his earn his income at that time was in Bitcoin. I think. Okay. Fifty five. So yeah. say you have two guys sitting. Fifty five episode. If you had yeah. listened to that episode, we always talk about this. You would have doubled your money by. Yeah. You were buying Bitcoin at. 30,000, mm-hmm. 29,000 yeah, 29. yeah. at that time, which right. we did when we bought, but right. What's the best way for two guys? Let's say we had some money to put in. Is it buying the actual coins or is it investing in something different? Is it, how do we, how do we collectively get into the, into something where it's like the real estate, but we're not doing transactions. We're doing something different. He in wants it. to be Shrem Jr. Yeah, how do we do I, that? I don't know about that, man, but for me, I think that, you know, and what I'm excited about with these relationships and the people I'm working with now, I think that's just the key is being a part of a community that that have access to the data that none of us have, right? We don't, I'm not a top Ethereum coder. I don't know Charlie Shrem, but I know people who do. Mm. And so to be able to hop on, like, you know, with, with his business partner, Michael Kilman, I was on a Zoom with him two weeks ago. There's 31 people on the Zoom, like, like. 31 people, there's totally. 330 million people in the country. Yeah, like, like it's, it's just such exclusive. an exclusive, like, hearing about this coin that was coming up that no one even knows exists. So I bought some. So <clears throat> so how do, you, how do you buy those ones? Through Coinbase? No. No. No, this is a private offering informed a syndicate. 
basically. So, so you, you said no, it's send literally them. you're you're sending the money yeah. transfer. Yeah. They're sending you the verifications. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So, so I mean, it's one of those things, and I, and that's what I, with my marketing background, my ability to scale to to build organizations of people, that's my role. My role is to create these communities, primarily online, mm-hmm. right, where people fee based, of course, you know, I mean, nothing crazy, but monthly subscription, something right where, where people are going to get access to this information. You know, you don't have to like scan Reddit. There, there is a tremendous amount of people. It, it's interesting to see. I've gone through like the vetting process. Mm-hmm. I've wa- I watched, like I started with like Colin who right. was on the episode and then I kind of just like ran up the chain of content until I kind of feel like I'm at like the one or two or three guys who actually speak the shit. Right. And then all these YouTubers just kind of like yeah. repeat the shit right. and get views. Right. So I've learned that you can kind of like I snapped at a dude at the gym in the, the morning the other day. They'll come. These guys will be coming like, hey, how's it going? Start having a conversation. I'll be like, dude, I'm watching YouTube right now. I'm, the, I'm in the crypto verse. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, a lot of some of these guys wanna... are super cheesy, yeah. but they're if you can get past like, how like unpersonal they are yeah. like they're just very they're computer people or like if yeah, you they're get straight past up that, nerds there's yeah you if you can get in a past good way that and listen and actually like listen to them yeah they're giving you like the facts the like what the possibilities are because right. nobody knows for sure but like they'll run through scenarios of information so i do see a value in what you're doing a tremendous value because you're going to hold all the information and then you can kind of be like We'll look at what these people with the information are doing in performance, and then there's indisputable value. Well, it's building those multiple streams of income now in the crypto world like I did in real estate, right? So, I mean, okay. there, there, there could be community-based things. There could be flow of information, subscription-based, you know, any type of recurring type situation, which, you know, you got to charge something, but it's got to be affordable for the, quote, average person. Because there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, like they say, crypto curious. They want to get involved. They don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, people. Like information I was at dinner money. for my dad's birthday in February. Went to a restaurant over in Jersey, and my mom, out of the blue, says, "Brian, uh, what do you know about this Bitcoin thing? Do you think me and Dad should buy some?" It's my fucking mom. Your mom's smart. You know, but like, but the point being is like, it's so top of consciousness for everybody right now that as a marketer, there's a demand. The marketplace yeah. is begging for knowledge yeah but your financial understanding of things and like your experience with the real estate market right. is showing you right like, you now can like you see the value and the hype in bitcoin right. like they're they're trending like verbally mm-hmm. but very i don't know a few but not too many people go that extra distance and understand like why when certain events you know historically will happen like how that will affect bitcoin and like truthfully where where that value can still go that people are just like still very unaware in my so opinion. yeah what is ethereum right i own ethereum no it's a platform it's like the amazon of ethereum bitcoin ethereum is the so network like, that runs like the nfts like everybody's yeah. changing like those tokens those tokens are transferred through the ethereum network so when you're buying Ethereum tokens, you're buying stock in the platform that's like capable of transferring all that information. So does so Bitcoin at, go through Ethereum? No. Bitcoin is like its own, own blockchain. It, Bitcoin is like gold bullion over here and Ethereum is like It's more practical. Uh, it's like a phone network. It's more usable. It's like a it's like a network of phone lines. So it's like I can transfer this So who owns Ethereum? The people that coded it. Like the the people. Okay. 
And, that, and that's it's the same I, like, way. That's yeah. what's so cool about it. And so that's the third pillar. Funny you mentioned that. So I talked about the the AI tech marketing mm-hmm. that right. Um, the second thing would be the community, which is the altcoins, you know, coming up. Which ironically, most of them are Ethereum based. And then the third pillar are the NFTs, and working with some hedge funds to really, for example, um, my partner Craig was um, yesterday on a Zoom with Wesley Snipes. It's P and N- NFT guy. Blade. Yeah, they're gonna. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because shit. apparently, is NFT those digital like baseball cards? Non fungible tokens, right? But the funny thing is, is of, of, so like basically, you know, like the Sonic the Hedgehog coins. Mm-hmm. Imagine like. If you had your coin and I sold you this table, it would also come with a coin that said, like, this, ta- this table is this table and nobody else has this table. Like a so piece if, of art. So if you wanted, like, a piece of music, like, you could, you c- I could sell you, like, say, like, Shania Twain or something, her hot single. Of all, all the, the people time. you pick her, oh, I, 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 <laughs> dude, it was dangerous. I like I, own, I. Well, you didn't see, say Michael Bolton. So you like, I feel <laughs> like a woman. Here's, here's, here's what happened there. I almost like. Uh-huh. Where the fuck did that come from? I'll fall on the sword. We have a few clients whose names that like would be significant okay. in that manner, and I almost was like uh, 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 Shania Twain. <laughs> Damn. So if you're watching, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> you got through that one yeah. safely. Yeah, that's funny. It's not Leonardo DiCaprio. No, he, no, do, no. he does live in Bucks County. We we we'll figure it out. But <laughs> does he really? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, kind of. I mean, when he's not, you know. Right, right, right. So the whole the whole concept is like I could sell you like a piece of music that you can earn money on, and instead of us having to transact over like contracts and things like that i could literally just be like here's your token it's like this is now your song and even though you're not shania twain you own that song if anybody plays that and so how do people you want to be give like up their rights to what they own right but so if so you're the, contracted if you're the artist or the record company that owns that music you can sell that you can now sell that so the who are the people selling all the nba highlight reels like the players themselves seem to be selling that it's not they're they have they're contracted through the nba organization so the nba is making money on selling those. for sure for sure like even like the that. other day cuz the nba through. owns cuz this is like at they the own all the footage the beginning at the thing this is an nba blah 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 event any Piracy of the blah, 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 you'll get yeah. to. So the NFT network is designed ultimate. It started with, like, your kids buying costumes for their Fortnite characters. And then when I started seeing that, I was like, holy shit. Like, what if I wanted to buy, like, you know, a piece of artwork or something like that? Like, how paper right. isn't a thing anymore. How can I just transfer you the rights to something without having to create contracts and things like that? So That's it can cool. come with a physical piece of art, but you have the coin that owns it. You basically have the digital record mm-hmm. of it. It can be a physical thing. So when are they going to get the, fine art on there? The phys- it can be a physical thing, but that's backwards thinking. The future is when your kids are your kids are now valuing like the skins on the players. So they'll pay eighty dollars to have their Fortnite character right. look good. When that kid is a millionaire at thirty years old, he's still looking at the digital world. This is the way he is now. We're with value the way we do not. He might buy a piece of artwork for his computer screen that's million dollars and it's his and when his friends come over they're like look at this oh you can put it up on his tv and be like hey look at this or it could be a billboard or it could be like the nike symbol it could be something that could be digital or reprinted so it's like allowing that contracting to go from physical to like the digital and give it and be able to like undispute its value otherwise you could just copy paste be like i have the nike symbol too (laughs) right right now i can sue you for it right Mm. It's crazy. 
Because we don't even, we, like, we're the cutoff. Gilmar is probably even, like, the cutoff, like, 25, 26. We're, like, we still things is, like, this this table is valuable because right. I can kick it over. Right. Like, I, I go on and play video games Saturday morning, and I'm, like, you want me to pay $80 to make my guy look like a ninja? <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> right, right. But there's some kid there that's, like, dude, I'd pay 160 Yeah. 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 But he's not old enough to pay that yet. Right. But what, when, when he, so, like, Ethereum. When he that, becomes old enough. When he, yeah. be, so, like, we're. We're still like ten years. So away Ethereum is that media is the, that they can trade on. So the whole so like better buy some more Ethereum. I yeah, I've mm-hmm. only been buying Ethereum since Bitcoin hit sixty. Interesting. Because I, I have at least a couple whole Ethereums. Yeah, since Ethereum went like Ethereum started to hit that like two thousand. I got in way before two thousand, and yeah. now it's going to the two thousand. It's supposed to be three thousand by the end of this month, and it's supposed to be by ten thousand by the end of the summer. Oh dang. Damn, I got speculatively. So, so if we keep investing in these things, is that the best way for us to invest in it? There's two different strategies, right? And this is what I'm learning. I mean, there's there's basically there's investors and there's traders, right? So it's just a different mindset, you know. So you how do you invest? You can. Be, yeah, I guess we gotta. I would think that you would want to be a trader in the altcoins mm-hmm. and hold the more stable things. That's what some of the people the smartest people I know are saying, right? So it it's becomes a matter of like going back to real estate. You know, there's certain properties that you want to buy and hold. You put a family in there. It's a tenant. It's a long-term sure. asset, right? An appreciating right. asset. Um, then there's certain things you want to flip. These altcoins that come up, they make a run and maybe they crash right back down. So like this 23-year-old kid, you make it 3.2 and get out. You know what I mean? Which supposedly he did, you know? So, you know, Fuck. now he's got some more to go play the next But that time. could be us. Like if he if that little kid can do it sounds like I tomorrow morning like it I sounds like tomorrow morning we're I know we're gonna closing have- down the home building business just kidding but it's literally <laughs> but no, we're, not, like, we're not maybe we're not, we're not. maybe like, what are you talking about <laughs> Gilmar what are those coins yourself? again did you write down Moderna Moderna <laughs> <laughs> yeah let me get two coins of Moderna oh, shit. <laughs> you know what's funny about that you see the like vaccine that. becomes an NFT <laughs> yeah right <laughs> no, that one kid that twenty three year old like. There's thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of him today. There, I didn't today. quite realize when we, when we had Colin on economically, I completely understood what Bitcoin was. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really that into right. it because I was just like, I busy. Yeah. Um, when I sat down and had that conversation with him and then John was excited and we, you know, we all kind of get in as like a fraternity right. and then I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to read. Yeah. And now like, my understanding is there are a ton of this guy, Colin. Yeah. There, there, there's a ton of people that came out of college, were making 30 grand a year. No offense to Colin. Right, there's right. just a lot of, there's yeah. just a lot of them. It, what's impressive is what, you know, that 3.2, mm-hmm. what do you do with that? Does he, does he take that 3.2 and, you know, get a Lamborghini or does he buy, take that 3.2, take it out of the market, put some in Tesla, which is now holding Bitcoin yeah. is a good idea long. Like there's different. Well, that's exactly what Or does he stay all in crypto? Well, he pulled up in a brand new Lamborghini SUV. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which hey, he, did he pay cash? Of course. But what he did Big is he said, okay, money. I'm going to... Well, I don't know about that because if imagine that. You're 23. You're like, I just paid cash for this. I still got X amount of millions left. And now he's working with some smart people to tell him how to reinvest it. A, look for the next one. And B, get some of those... Do you think the car got him some, some clout? I mean, listen, I mean, he, I mean, he, feels when he pulled cool. up in a Batmobile. It's one of the, you know, that's another funny concept, right? So what is success? You know, what yeah, is I mean, it, right? feeling good, right? Being that kid from Trenton, you know, um, 
I thought it was that custom house in Newtown because that's where all the rich people lived. It was right across the bridge, but to me, it was a million miles away. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, it, it was the nice cars, the Mercedes, the, you know, keep going up the chain. And, and I really, I personally had a realization probably three years ago where I went to Italy and for the summer, and I, I don't know how it happened, but I forgot a couple suitcases. Like, I don't, you know, you got kids and their suitcase. You just run around, and I, I, I left them at home. So long story short, when I got there, I had nothing. I mean, I had some clothes there from last time, so I had, like, a couple pairs of shorts, maybe, like, one pair of sweatpants, a couple, you know, T-shirts. Yeah, like, nothing. And that summer, there, there was, like, that epiphany moment where I realized I'm living here in a house that we bought, you know, but they kind of pass houses down in the, fam- from in the family. It's more of a condo because they all like, kind of live together. Everybody has their own floor, right? Mm. But I'm like, it's a little three-bedroom, two-bath. You know, I own it. Um, nothing special. It needs to be rehabbed. This was three years ago. I got a car because I needed a vehicle over there. So I bought a Kia, right? Yeah. Well, in America, like prior to then, it was like, no offense, but I don't need a fucking Kia. Yeah, know? but that's like your vacation car. Nobody knows me here kind of thing. Like, yeah. My motorcycle, you know, the, the brand new Fat Boy Low here, $30,000 modded out bike. I bought a $2,000 1997 Yamaha, paid cash for it. And and something happened, you know, three years ago. Italian Brian is cheap, Brian. No, dude, no. <laughs> I, I realized something that I think most Americans don't understand. This debt trap, this, this, this trap of trying to get the biggest house, the nicest car, the this, the that, which all comes, you know, most of it's leased or financed. That's what we're trained right? to do. We're literally, literally from kids trained to do this. And I had that realization over there that <clears throat> none of it matters. Mm-mm. Because over there with no clothes and an old car and an old house and an old motorcycle, I realized I was never happier in my life. And I said, you know what? Fuck all that shit. I don't need any of that anymore. I've had it. Mm. You know, I don't want it anymore. Because it's just holding you back. And you know what? What do you do when you go from, you know, like for me, I went from the Benz to the Maserati. What's after the Maserati? <laughs> Got to go Lambo. What's after Lambo? You understand? You're never going to get there. And being in this mindset, this trap of always having to get to that next level, for who? These motherfuckers on Facebook that don't give a shit about you? Yeah. It's all bullshit, bro. It's all yeah. bullshit. The, we, we've always said the happiest people are some of the people that just live, like, off the land in the West. They make their own homestead. That's a tough life. There's a different version of that. Yeah. But the simpler the life, the better, because it gets rid of all that noise, and then you actually just go back to the roots of what's happy. It's your nice, family. <clears throat> yeah, you I have think, flexibility. Yeah. You have time. You I can think travel. We have, a balance. we have a pretty good balance, though. We wear the same T-shirts. Right. And I have the same you clothes like every day, right? Same, like I, I wear three same, pairs of pants. I got same the same fucking shirts. shirts. I wear buy the same kind of socks, so I never have to find mismatched right. socks. But dude, don't get me wrong. No, no, no. Cars are – nobody's frowning on a wave runner. Right, you know right, what I'm saying? right. Like, there is and good thing. Like, you're not. And saying, I'm not frowning yeah. on a Lambo either. I'm yeah. not, what I'm saying though the debt is trap. the debt trap and the idea of having to always get better. That and think that your 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 level of success is tied to these material things because it's really not. Mm. It's a, for me and what I like to teach, you know, with my old you know prior coaching students, et cetera, especially to my kids, is it's it's never been about that. It's a lie that we were told, like you said. Yeah. It's to me what most people want, which you'll never achieve, is something called freedom, and that's freedom that. of time. Yeah, yeah, that's because what you I have. Think, that. I think yeah, my, I my ultimate goal. It, I wouldn't have said that a second ago, but I definitely, I one hundred twenty percent get behind that. Like 
I was driving the base model 250 gas single cab truck up until a couple weeks ago. And right. now I have probably one of the nicest Oops. nicest trucks out there. Time. But oh, we got no, a little I, go- I set a 10 minute alarm because <laughs> right. I knew I had to leave here at 630 to get, get my son. I, I very much am enjoying this new truck and it's great. But even before I knew, and it, was, it wasn't really a sacrifice to me. I just knew that if I drove the reliable, cheapest truck right. that was clean and good looking, that would get me to my goal, which is just like ultimate mobility. Like no. I would love to just be able to just like just get up from here and be like, I want to go eat here. And it's like way it, I got to get in a jet and just go. And then yeah. I come back like not necessarily I want to fly around in a jet, but I just want to be able to do and I want to be able to sit and read all day about what I want to read about and not be bothered by anything. Dude, just I like get, get it. That. I'm, it's the freedom of time, which is that it's the most important thing, and and I'm not quite there yet. That's I'm ultimate still running. For me. No, it, it takes it takes years to get there. Thirty six more months. I'll be forty seven in October. I won't turn fifty. I'll be done. Yeah, we got some grinding to do I'll still. Be done. And yeah, I, got, I mean, I'll yeah. grind my ass off in Italy the next three years, but I'll be done. And I'll be, I'll be look. And it's like I said, I got that old key. I sold it. I bought this Nissan, like a X Trail. It's called something different over here. Whatever. Yeah. But anyway. Um, and I'm seeing. So like, the Kia like, wasn't enough. Well, it was cool, but I just you know, well, I needed Didn't a seven seater because the triplets were you know when they visit, so I needed a seven seater. Um, but then it's like you know, and then I see they got the new uh, the new electric Hummer coming out, right? It's like 110. <laughs> we're like, back. Yeah, yeah, I might have to get one. But of those. if you can pay cash, you don't get you don't get the debt trap. Yeah, part. yeah, right. So you know, and again, I, I say that with all humility, meaning like I don't want people to think like, oh, you know, you know. That doesn't mean I can't strive to get, no, go get those fucking things, but keep it in mind. It's just like, at the end of the day, everybody will have that realization, like, you're never going to be free. You can do it the right way and pay cash for shit, and you have these passive income streams, the money's coming in, whether you do anything or not, that's great. But, um, you know, and, and I guess I know we're running out of time here, but for me, one thing we didn't talk about, which was a major, major turning point in my life, so I have three boys, 18-year-olds, when I was 18, I was diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer out of the blue. I mean, I graduated high school. I started going to community college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And all of a sudden, I started not feeling too good, tired all the time. And I bumped my groin against the couch at my ex-wife's grandmother's house. And, and I just had so much pain. I had to go to the hospital. And after blood tests and scans and all, they're like, yeah, you have cancer throughout your entire body. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? Well, start you on immediate chemotherapy. So for a year, I lived in the hospital. Mm. And I went through numerous rounds of chemotherapy and numerous surgeries that they've removed portions of my lung and my rib. And, you know, it's just all, all chopped up. I'm scarred up, like, you know, bad. I thought you were a sword fighter. I was, yeah, that's yeah. it. He <laughs> <laughs> actually told me you were coming on, you were sword I was like, fighter. dude, might be a samurai. So he's like, he's not in, in a, the spot. And not then. in a gay way. <laughs> <laughs> no homo, right? 90s gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's, but that, you know, that experience for me changed everything because it kind of warped my vision too because at that point I was like once I was better and I was alive. And, and by the way, I mean, I have to I always give a plug to God. And um, for me, like I, the chemotherapy didn't help. They track it in the blood and I went through all the chemotherapy and operations. They're like, yeah, the markers are still, you know, where, mm. they, where they were. And um, I went to my aunt's house and she was this born-again Christian and she, they laid hands on me and prayed. And when I went back for the blood test, the markers were in half. They thought it was a fluke. I went back. It was gone. Never came back. So God healed me. And I always said, hey, Lord, if I remember being in the hospital. Be like, God, if you're know, if you up there and if you just heal me, I'll Give I'll, me five boys. I'll, I'll tell people. Yeah, there, right? <laughs> I'll build a team. Well, it's funny you say that. That's why, because I went through the chemotherapy, I became sterile. So okay. 
before they started me, they had me freeze the sperm in case I ever wanted to have a family one day. So they put, we did in vitro, my ex-wife and I. Uh, they, they was like, we're going to put three in, and you'll be lucky if one makes it. Okay? All three did. Right? So that's how we got <laughs> the Luck of the Irish. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was an Irish 18-year-old sperm, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you left that on a couch cushion five years later, you could still get it done. <laughs> Might be a girl. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, so that, that's just a little testimony. I always like, you know, I've done a lot of public speaking and interviews and things, and I, I never close one out without giving you know, credit to God for helping me. Big ups to the big yeah, guy. Yeah, I have to, man, because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that that crazy prayer meeting but that's awesome well we know you had to get to your kids yeah we, man uh, yeah this dude, is I'm so pumped that we got you on before i'm yeah. d- i'm sure we're gonna stay in touch yeah dude yeah and i'll be back you know i mean i'd love to be on again i, I we're planning on coming back so what we've been doing is like like as i mentioned we'd spend the summer in italy mm. you know x amount of you know all these years and then we would go visit her family for christmas easter right couple, yeah so you do the three, reverse now reverse oh, okay so cool. i'll still be back here like two three maybe four months of the year nice. the majority of time we'll be there because the kids will be in school how do People find you now. Like, you kind of dropped off the grid on us there for a little bit. I had this NFT. No, I'm just <laughs> 10 Gs and Brian's yours. Honestly, man, um, how do they find me? That's a great question because I shut down all my sites um, to rebrand and rebuild. And so my branding, and if anybody is seeing this later in the future, it'll be up at investorentourage.com. Okay. And the reason I chose that branding years ago was primarily for real estate investing. But now that I'm involved in crypto and I'm it's doing still some a other, thing. It's still I'm a raising thing. capital in South America for some energy projects. We didn't even talk about that, but it's it all ties back to investing. And I like the idea of an entourage. It's a group of people working together. So mm-hmm. investor entourage. I had that domain. I took the site down because it was all real estate based, and that's probably the least thing I'm doing right now. So I'm rebranding it as we speak. But okay. hopefully soon that site will be up. Investorentourage.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Dude, we're definitely going to stay in touch. I'm, I really would like to have you Yeah, dude, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate that's it. That's great. Thanks, awesome. guys. Dude, thanks. All right, so... Uh, that was exciting. Dude, Brian, that was exciting. They haven't listened to it yet. Is oh. this the outro or the intro? I don't this could know. be the outro. Dude, this is the outro. They <laughs> just, so you just got done watching. <laughs> Let's make it the intro. <laughs> yeah, so we just got done. Brian, Brian has left the building. He is a responsible father. It's an incredibly cool episode coming up. Make sure you stick with us. I no, now no, 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 dude, it's the outro. No, the intro. No, this is the outro. No, we're going to get them hyped so they watch it. And we're going to do the outro first, and then we'll redo the intro. I have FOMO again about Bitcoin. So <laughs> we just had Brian in here. What a cool guy. I've known Brian for a little bit of time now. If you got value out of this episode, please just go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go follow us on Instagram. Uh, things are really moving along for us on the social platforms. We're trying to keep it like grassroots marketing, not trying to do a lot of sponsored ads. We're trying to see who really, really wants the show. Um, and people are saying they so, want it. Yeah, so. so please subscribe. Help us. Please subscribe. Just hit the subscribe button. You, you have, have to, to get that.